Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. Welcome to Can They Do That, a podcast by the Scott Law Team. My name is Gabe Roberts. I'm an associate attorney here at the Scott Law Team, and I'm here with Kathleen Scott, our managing partner. Kathleen, how are you doing? I'm great. Hey, thanks for being here. Yeah, happy to be here. So today's question for Can They Do That is, can my employer not pay any severance? The answer is yes, they can, Gabe Roberts. So if, especially here in the state of Florida where we're doing this podcast, uh, most states don't require payment of severance. In Florida, it's considered to be a gift, which means if you're offered severance, I would recommend employees tread very lightly in rejecting it or asking for more. There's a right and wrong way to do that. Um, But to answer your question, no, an employer is not required to pay you severance unless you have some type of written contract uh, that guarantees it. Um, And a written contract that guarantees it is not just an offer letter, but something that actually says in the event of your separation, the employer will pay you X, Y, Z in severance. Um, Larger employers have a severance plan, uh, and that is a a document usually that's in writing. You can ask for a copy of that from Human Resources, and that falls under a federal law called ERISA, which is kind of like a dirty word in employment law. It's a very complicated statute. But so most large national employers will have some type of severance plan, which can be triggered in the event of like a reduction in force or a mass layoff or some kind of national layoff. But generally speaking, if you just want to leave your job or you get terminated without any reason, um, there's usually no legal requirement to get offered severance. Yeah. So you refer to it as a gift, right? Which I think is a good way to describe it, especially in a state like Florida. But does that mean an employee who's offered severance should just willy-nilly accept whatever's put on the table? Maybe, unless they have a strong claim for um, (laughs) some reasons an employer will pay a severance is to prevent lawsuits and claims, right? So to the extent you have a potential claim or you have the employer feels risk with your termination, if you're pregnant, if you you know happen to fall in a protected category, if you had recently complained or been out sick, gotten an injury, had a work comp claim, um, those things might be things that you could use to leverage to be able to say, well, you know, this is suspicious because I just, you know, complained about not being paid overtime and now I'm the first person selected for termination. So I think if there's some elements there to work with for leverage, that's a good way for the employee to try to negotiate for additional severage. But be careful because um, when you offer a gift to someone, and I always think the wedding ring example is a great example. Will you marry me? Here's this ring. If the response is, I don't know, but could I get another carrot on that ring? Maybe the giver of that gift would be like, Never mind. (laughs) So that is very analogous, I think, to the employer who might have spent some time saying, well, we don't owe this person any severance. Let's offer them a couple of weeks. And then they come back and say, well, I want a year. They might be like, just kidding. Then take it off the table. And yeah, they can do that. They can take it off the table. The gift can be given and it can be taken away. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good point. I I want to push back a little bit, though, on the idea of in financial terms, yes, that makes sense. And you should always be careful to push back in any way on anything offered to you in the severance context. But something that I've seen, I've actually been seeing it a lot more recently, is the the non-financial terms of severance mm-hmm. agreements, mm-hmm. right? Which those matter a lot. You know, you talked about in, in most situations, let's, I mean, there's some employers who do it out of the goodness of their heart, but usually most, most employers are offering severance to avoid being sued later on. Yep. And so you'll see a standard severance agreement will have a whole long list of, of cases and claims that you're releasing. And that's, that's normal, right? 
something that I've been seeing recently that is something that I think employees should be on the lookout for is anything that would add additional terms to the conditions of their employment or post-employment in a severance agreement. So for example, an employer trying to sneak in a non-compete or a non-solicit or something that is, hey, you've been fired, we're going to offer you uh, some additional severance, but also because you accepted this, now you can't go work for our competitors. Excellent point. So yeah, if they're offering you a severance and so you get a few weeks, but now you can't work for a year competitively, that's probably the kind of gift you don't want, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> With gifts like that. No, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I think that when you have a situation like that, you could just say no, or you could go back. And what I want to offer is some strategies on how to go back to the employer without rejecting it in my example of asking for the extra carrot, uh, but to say, I think the good question to say, Hey, is this negotiable? I appreciate it, but there's some terms in here that I'm not clear on. And maybe you can get the extra money and get them to strike those paragraphs about the restrictive covenant, right? Cause uh, as a, as a lawyer, you know, we know that all things are negotiable, even the things that aren't supposed to be negotiable, mm-hmm. they're negotiable too. Yeah. That's always <laughs> the first question I ask anybody who comes in to have their contract reviewed is tell me the context of how it's presented to you, right? Because yeah. the context matters so much of did they send this to you in a take it or leave it form? Did they send this to you in a let us know what you think message? Right. Because that matters so much in the idea of if I push back even the slightest, is this off the table? And so I need to be careful. Or is there room for me to say something along the lines of, look, I'm inclined to accept what you put here, but I just want to know, is it possible to discuss some of the terms? Yeah. And I think what you said about the non-monetary terms is really important. Um, and just while we have some listeners on you know, wait, severance is wages. So yes, it should be subject to payroll deductions. I think that's a question I get asked that a lot. I'm sure you do as well. And some non-monetary terms might work in your favor, right? So if you leave a job and you don't have a severance agreement and you don't have a contract, is your employer now free to say whatever they want about you after you leave, where a severance could contractually obligate them to only give the dates of employment and the position held, which I actually think is a benefit to the employee as well. Right. Yeah. Negotiating of if if they want to add a non-financial term to to something to you post-employment, you can go in and say, oh, you know, I, I'm okay with that, but I'd like to see a neutral job reference in here or a, a mutual non-disparagement, which are both you know, legal terms. But the idea essentially being that, you know, I won't say anything bad about you. You don't say anything bad about me and we'll both go our ways happily. Right. Right. Which in Florida, at least, is not the status quo of the law. Right. So in Florida, an employer can speak its mind about you as long as the employer and its representative are giving their honest opinion. There's actually a statutory presumption that gives an immunity to an employer to be able to speak their mind about the employee and they can't be sued for defamation. If you have a severance contract, both parties sign. Now you have a contractual obligation limiting what the employer can say. So I think that's a that's a really important point. And sometimes the non-monetary terms, even if can be more important than some of the, like you say, some of the monetary terms, employees that have a non-compete or an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, or really strict requirements on what they can do or who they can solicit post-separation, maybe they'll be willing to take two weeks of severance as long as they're released from all their other Mm -hmm. agreements. Um, So we've had some fun with that lately. We've had some cases where an employer gave a severance package and they just wrote in there that this was the entire agreement between the parties and it superseded all other earlier agreements. And so even without saying it, it acted as a release from those earlier restrictive covenants. So uh, the employee got a lot in that situation, right? And so my advice to them during that intake, which was, hey, take it and don't look back because uh-huh. not being able to work for a year um, and it, because of restrictive covenants that they had signed during their employment, those are enforceable. And they're enforceable even if you get fired for no reason. So I think that was, that was probably a good outcome for that particular employee. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course we're, we're going to say this, we're attorneys, there's always a value in having an attorney review any agreement that that you're being presented with or signed because 
in general, we can help you understand what it says, but also occasionally there are situations like you're describing where we read through it and it's like, hey, I think whoever wrote this agreement, they don't realize what they did. Yeah. And this is what it says mm-hmm. and what it means. Right. And you should uh, take this and run because, you know, I know we're hesitant about this or that or the other, yeah. but the way this is worded is for the better. And and likewise, sometimes having an attorney get involved can help with those negotiations, but also sometimes can hurt with the negotiations, yeah. right? So what are examples that you would give as far as a situation where you think it could be helpful for an employee to have an attorney help them negotiate? I mean, there's so many. One is the tax implications, um, understanding the rights under COBRA too, because mm-hmm. sometimes a severance payout can affect their ability for which type of um, a, a co- that COBRA they'll be eligible for post-separation. And COBRA is continuing benefits after separation. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that for our listeners. Also, like eligibility for unemployment can be affected by language that's in the severance document. So I think that's an important thing. Um, and you don't want you, you want to really understand what rights you're committing yourself to from the employee perspective. Like, are you committing to cooperate? If so, you should have mm-hmm. that to be solidified. Like, what does that mean? If you're agreeing to confidentiality and you mentioned to your spouse, oh, hey, I'm getting a severance for X, Y, and Z. Have you now violated the severance agreement? So all of those things are good reasons, I think, to have the contract reviewed. And also, what I said earlier is everything's negotiable. So maybe there's, maybe you're leaving money on the table. You know, we don't know unless we try and there's a way to try. Um, and, you know, we, and we want to we help people tread cautiously in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had cases go both ways where we get retained, we step in and help negotiate and we're able to get either better terms financially yeah. or non-financially. But I also don't want to pretend that, you know, having an attorney there is always the right thing because I've had cases as well where an attorney gets involved. The agreement is pulled off the table and now the employee is in a situation of, well, do I have a claim or not? Because if I don't have a claim, I'm kind of up a creek, so to speak, right? Yeah. And so lawyering up may not always be the right thing to do, but you can always get counsel too, right? Like kind of behind the scenes. I like that we um, have a product that I think fits that very well for employees. They can call, schedule a consultation, a contract review. We review the document. We'll give them all the information. Then they can take that information and try to negotiate gently for more without undermining the deal. And I think that can be helpful. Yeah, the most successful cases I've had in this in this area are those sort of behind the scenes where the employer either doesn't know or is being intentionally oblivious to whatever's being sent out there because they don't know there's an attorney on the other end. And I can answer questions, help draft responses and whatnot, or look over the documents for for the employee. But the other side isn't so on alert about why'd you hire an attorney? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? Because, you know, attorneys, I I don't know how to say this, but attorneys only exist because we exist, right? Right. You know, you only need an attorney because someone else has an attorney usually, or at least that's the perception. And so um, a lot of times if your employer knows, oh, they have a lawyer, they might immediately cut off communications with you. Yeah. Whereas if you have a lawyer who's just working behind the scenes, helping you out, that can get to a more sort of fruitful response. And and I do think that the employee sometimes has... um like political capital, for lack of a better word, where they've just been fired without notice. And sometimes employers actually feel bad. And so if they go to the employer to ask for additional terms, sometimes the employer is emotionally kind of able to offer more because they're kind of like, oh, as opposed to when they lawyer up, we lawyer up. And then every the two lawyers like, oh, there's no case here. Why would we do that? So you're right. I think there it is a nice sometimes to just stay behind the scenes. But yeah. we should probably talk about the time to accept a severance. Read my mind. Go okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, go for it. Go for it. Well, no, I was going to say, I mean, you know, while we're talking about severance here, just some other considerations is going to be the timing, right? Mm-hmm. Can can the employer hand you an agreement and say, you need to sign this right now or it's off the table, right? right. Or are they required to give you a certain time period? What is the timing mechanism? 
So I think it matters how old you are, right? So um, if you're over 40, you get a full 21 days to consider the agreement. And then if you're considered older by the federal government. That's right. Right. Who made that rule up? I don't know, but um, I'll take the extra time. I don't know that I like the label. (laughs) But uh, so if you sign it and you're over 40 under the agreement, under the law, you actually get seven days to revoke it. Interesting fact. Probably that revocation, unless the document is worded differently, only applies to age discrimination, but there are cases on both sides of that issue. So long answer for a short answer. Let me give you a break it down. Unless you're over 40, uh, the employer can prescribe whatever time they want for you to accept it. Same day, maybe, but if you sign it, one one of the things is make sure that it was knowing and you understood what you were signing. So if you're a doctor, a lawyer, a college graduate, a reasonably intelligent person that knows how to read and it's in your first language that you speak and read, one day might be okay if you were given a chance to actually read through it. These high pressure tactics of sliding it across the table and say, sign right now, that may not hold up. We'll see. You know, those are, those are always dependent on the facts. Right. Yeah. The top, the, the question of, did you actually sign it under duress is an incredibly fact sensitive question. And, and, a lot of times also what you may feel was duress to you signing it. That yeah. doesn't always mean that it actually was duress in a legal sense, right? And let me offer, yeah, exactly. And let me offer one last parting shot. When you're separated and you're negotiating for severance, you're not having great leverage unless you can threaten the employer with a potential lawsuit, right? Which in an at-will state, that might be limited leverage. So the best time to be thinking about severance is when you're starting a job and get, if you have the opportunity to get an offer letter or an employment agreement say, Hey, what if I'm terminated for any reason or no reason? Will there be severance? Let's talk about that now, especially during that honeymoon period where uh, that's usually where you have the most leverage. They need you. They want you in. They like you. That's when you should be talking about if I get terminated, what will my severance rights be? Yeah, that's exactly right. So just to kind of wrap up, you know, the question of can they do that? Can my employer fire me and not offer me severance? The answer is? The answer is yes, they can, unless you have a contract to the contrary. Um, and in Florida, severance is a gift. So um, tread lightly in how you respond to it. Um, consider getting legal counsel to take a look at those monetary terms, but also the non-monetary terms to make it as lucrative and as viable as possible. All right. Thank you so much for joining Can They Do That? For everything employment law related, please visit us on our next episode or in the meantime, at our website at scottlawteam.com. Until then.